0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the December 2022 edition of Tree Talk by Arborist podcast. Um, I'm very excited to have this next 30 minutes here with one of Arborist super agents, Mick Kelly. Mick, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yep. How do you doing?
0: So we're going to be talking all about insurance during this um, podcast, and, and insurance happens to be our December monthly topic. Um, It's obviously the primary source of what we do here at Arborisk is creating the proper insurance coverages for our clients, Uh, but on these these podcasts and and throughout our weekly tips this last month, we get into some nuanced coverages and overall trends that are in the industry so that you as a consumer can help understand um, a little bit more from what the insurance industry is going through and where, you know, how you can best protect yourself and position yourself to receive the lowest rates long-term. So Mick, you know, you've been in insurance for almost nine and a half years now, right? Almost 10 years coming up? Yes, coming up, yeah. And in that time, you've seen that the industry change a lot with technology, with different coverages coming in and out. Um, But the first topic we're going to talk about is what we call the hard market. And I believe this is the first insurance hard market that you are going to be experiencing firsthand. Um, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. So one thing that we've been talking a lot about internally at Arborisk and what we wanted to bring to the whole uh, our, our whole audience is what is an insurance hard market? And what does it mean and what do we need to be prepared for? So this is, will be the second hard market that I've gone through in my insurance career. And essentially what a hard market is, it's when insurance underwriting it gets tighter. And when pricing goes up, there are a lot of factors that contribute to it. And Mick, maybe let's dive into why a hard market happens um, and then how we can resolve that and how we can become better insurance risks to basically avoid, you know, the, the mega impact of a hard market on our business.
1: Yeah, um, well, I think with everything that's going on, that we're experiencing You know, inflation across the board, um, a lot of it is to do with supply and demand. And um, these factors uh, affect the insurance industry as well. You know, there may not be um, a physical product or whatnot that's affecting it, but it's driving up the price of everything that we're insuring. It's harder to get certain items, um, which is making everything more expensive, which means when claims come in, uh, claims are tending to be a little bit higher as well. Um, and that's part of that is like just the general economic uh, uncertainty that's out there. You know, one of the things insurance companies do to make money is they put it into investments, you know, and with the uncertainty in the investment market right now, they're not making the returns that they would have, um, which leads to their profits, which allows them to keep uh, prices at a certain a certain rate, so they still have to cover claims. They still have to cover um, events that come along. Obviously, we've had some big weather events um, in the last year as well, which were pretty exceptional, I would say. So, all those uh, factors have led to this going from what was considered a soft market, where you had a lot of uh, companies chasing and giving good prices to get uh, to buy business, basically, to go to a hard market where. The underwriters are tightening up. They're being told to tighten up. They're being told to really underwrite a lot stricter um, than, the, than the what they were doing in the last, I don't know, was it 10 years maybe we've been in the, the soft market?
0: Yeah, the last at least 10, maybe even 15 years has been a softer market for insurance. And, and let's face it, the softer market is better for everybody, every consumer out there and everybody part of the insurance industry. Um, it's easier to find coverage. The prices are lower, and and everybody wins in that situation. So the hard market that we're seeing coming up is going to be a challenge. Um, and, and really, I guess you've mentioned a lot of it, but maybe we should mention like just the simple loss ratio thing. Loss ratio is a factor of claims paid out to premium taken in by the insurance company, and it's surprisingly with the external expenses or their fixed costs, they're building their overhead and all their fixed costs, an insurance company is happy if they're paying out, typically, they're, if they're paying out a dollar for every dollar they're taking in, because they're using that time difference, the time value of money, when they take in the premium before they have to pay it out in the claim, and they're investing it in that mid, middle ground, middle time. Once that insure, investment income isn't happening, the insurance company is losing that, that wiggle room. So. The loss ratio, like you had mentioned about big weather events, big claims, um, Hurricane Ian, all those big things that happen, really impact the loss ratio. Uh, they call it the combined, combined insurance ratio, but really affect that. And ultimately, that, that's the first factor that dries up. So it, it's something that I always found interesting once I got into the insurance industry, that an insurance company in a traditional soft insurance market is happy if they're paying out a dollar and taking in the dollar. Um, But... Yeah, and I would say
1: typically they can weather one of these things happen, um, but there's been like, just for lack of a better use, a perfect storm where you've all these different factors have come at the same time. And, you know, it'll be hard to predict how long the market will will stay hard and whether it'll go back to, it could be a couple of years, it could be longer, you know, these things tend to go in, in larger cycles. So... Hopefully it's not too long of a a hard market cycle this time.
0: Yeah. And well, I guess the main thing about that is it's good to know what it is um, and see it come in so you can kind of prepare for it. But the main thing is how do we help our clients and how do people listening here really weather the storm, weather the hard market as quick as they can and as best as they can? What are some tips that you have for that?
1: Sure. Um, Well, you know, you're up in your risk management game, I guess, will be the first thing. You know, we often get asked how do I get lower prices on my insurance and really it starts with your risk management and what that means is just not having claims and it's it's easy to say that and you know of course accidents happen and you know that's why you have insurance but you can certainly do as much as you can um, to prevent them you know whether it's with uh, toolbox meetings in the morning or you know setting out plans at the start of every day even knowing what to do in the event of a a claim can really, really help mitigate that, so that nothing uh, like a, when a claim happens, it's not worse than it has to be, and things don't escalate. So, really, um, making sure you have a good risk management uh, program in place that you're that you're implementing and making sure that your
0: employees are in,
1: implementing as well. You know,
0: yeah, and you know, just to jump in on that, Mick, that's why Arborisk offers the big three and why we really focus on the big three with our clients. Because um, we've seen over time, there are three simple but huge foundational pieces to risk management within your company that you can do to help keep your insurance costs low over time through a soft market and a hard market. Um, do, you, do you want to just touch on the big three real briefly?
1: Sure. Yeah. And it's um, we offer this to anybody that becomes a hardware's um, client. We will go through this with them. Uh, but it is your safety culture. Uh, your driver management and your safety management so we can get into depth on all of those things um, with you really dig into it Um, one of the nice things with the safety culture is just finding out from your employees what they actually think about your company you know uh, from a safety point of view if they know what they're supposed to know um, when it comes to procedures manuals um, and whatnot
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those, those three we found are the, just the foundational pieces on the risk management side um, to helping you guys build a better business and, and minimize the impact of insurance losses, insurance claims, uh, injuries and accidents that aren't insurance. Um, because one of the other options, like we talk about for weathering a hard market, is to truly understand what you can self-insure or self, self-retain um dig into that a little bit how companies can look at deductible options and and self-insurance conscience a bit more yeah
1: you know it's it's kind of um figuring out how risk averse you are yourself and what you're willing to take on you know as prices go up one of the questions you can ask yourself with your larger pieces of equipment is do i go for a higher deductible um so that like instead of having a thousand dollar deductible on that large vehicle maybe it's going to be twenty five hundred or five thousand dollars That's going to help bring the price down and will also help in the long run with putting in smaller claims to the company. One of the things that drives um, pricing as well, it it doesn't tend to be the severity of a claim. If you have one big claim, you know, an underwriter will look at that and, and understand. But if you're putting in a lot of small claims, that's where sometimes a flag can go up and it's going to cause prices to jump so that's where that self-insurance can come in on that and uh, doing that with intent and realizing like i can go without this piece of machinery but i can't go without that or um same with vehicles and whatnot so that's just one way of of doing it uh, for sure
0: and and your key there was with intent right knowing that you're self-insuring you're knowing that you're taking on that risk that's that's the biggest key for us At, at our risk we really believe if you want to self-insure, that's great. We, we encourage that, but we want you to know what you're self-insuring. And if, if you don't know what you're not, you know, if, if you don't understand what your policy isn't going to cover and you think a policy is going to cover that, that's a problem. But if you know what you're self-insuring, that's fantastic. Um, and I think that, that leads to probably the last point about the hard market, battling the hard market, and that's choosing the right agent to work with your company. And Mick, since joining Arborisk, I know that's been a big thing that that you've enjoyed is understanding the industry and the needs of the tree care companies. So, want to dig into that just real briefly.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think um, you know one of the things I think I've found from working with tree care companies is they find a the refreshing that we we truly understand the industry. You know, I've been I've been up in a tree. I've been up in a in a bucket truck um out around all this equipment you know we go we go to expo and and see everything that's on offer there we go around to the different uh isa shows and meet a lot of people um the industry gets pretty small pretty quickly uh after a couple of years you tend to run into the same people and it's great You know, there's great camaraderie there within the industry and i think what that leads to is if your agent understands what you do, we can explain to the insurance company a lot better what you do than somebody that doesn't know the difference from uh, a bucket truck to what a climber does, you know, within the industry. So that's where we're passing on our expertise in the in the industry to the underwriters, and that's that's helping sell your company as best it can, and uh, hopefully getting you better rates and better
0: coverage, you know. Absolutely, and because. It sounds like an arbor sales pitch, and it's not really meant to be it, but really being the specialist within the industry, we know when you know, the rates are going to increase. We know what's an acceptable rate increase, and when it's unusual, and, and when it's unusual and exorbitant, then we have to, as the agent, go to the marketplace and find you the right coverage and find you the right price. Um, that's the key here, is that working with an agent that understands the industry and your operations and can relate it back and forth from the insurance company to you as the insured, the client and from the client to the insurance company. So thank you for that, Mick, for sure. Yep. Um, any other last final tips on the hard market? I mean, we've spent a fair amount of time on this, this podcast about it, but it is something that we're gonna see a major impact throughout this next year on insurance renewals. And I just feel it's best to talk about it in advance than to have people be surprised later on
1: yeah I, I think that's I think that's important it's just it's just knowing that it's coming and really understanding where this is coming from you know um, if you haven't had claims if you've been in a clean company and it's easy to get offended when that rate increase comes and that's completely understandable we don't like seeing it on our end as much as you don't like seeing it on yours it's we don't like having to explain it but um, understanding where it's coming from is important so that's part of why we spend so much time on this today.
0: Yeah, let's jump into the uh, renting equipment. Um, A lot of times we have questions about renting equipment uh, with the way the equipment world is today and the values and the lack of availability. It's something that we wanted to make sure we touched on in our weekly tips, Um, because people are both renting from others and they're renting to others and their insurance implications and issues with both. So let's talk about renting from others first, Mick. There are some things that they should do on their insurance coverage when they're renting from someone.
1: Sure. Um, So you're you're always going to be given the option of taking out the um, rental company's insurance. And if you're renting something for one day and you don't intend to rent it again, um, if it's just a one-off, that that can be a good option instead of uh, calling up your agent and adding the coverage on. if there's something that you know you're going to be renting on a, a long-term basis or you're going to do this a few year, or, um, one of the things we can do is add on a limit onto your policy um, up to a certain amount that'll cover that piece of equipment um, while it's rented. And basically, and typically it turns out to be a lot cheaper
0: than what the rental companies are, are going to uh, offer you. Absolutely. And if you're doing it from a rental company, one thing you want to make sure is the language in the rental agreement may state that you're responsible to, to replace that item. And whereas most all insurance policies, when you put it on as a rented equipment coverage, is only going to be actual cash value. So they won't pay for the true replacement of a new machine. Um, so it's just something to be, be careful with. There could be some significant out-of-pocket costs that you incur that you weren't expecting um, because of the language in the contract that you're signing. So words matter. We know that. We always ask people to to send their contracts over um, for that. So it's something that you just need to be careful. Um,
1: Yeah, it's easy to get the uh, certificate over to the rental company as well. That's typically not a problem. And that's something they'll want before uh, you can take the piece of equipment off their lot and uh, that can be turned around pretty quick.
0: Yeah. Now, if I know some companies, yeah, the benefit to working with them, they allow their employees to uh, take the equipment home with them to do a side job or do work at their home. When you're renting or borrowing to others, there's big insurance implications with that. Let's dig into that just real briefly. Sure. So
1: as soon as you, um, or as soon as you're, let's say it's your employee or your buddy that needs a uh, let's say it's a chipper because his went down, as soon as um, that leaves your care custody control for lack of a better way of putting it and goes into their care custody and control, your uh, coverage is gonna stop. So any coverage that you have on that piece of equipment, if, it's, if it gets broken and, or stolen or something happens it, and uh, it comes out that somebody else had care custody control of it, your policy isn't gonna pick it up at that stage. However, um, your general liability will follow it. So if there was a claim that was to arise from that piece of equipment, the chances are while the equipment itself wouldn't be covered for you, um, the general liability will be covered and will come back onto your policy. So it's kind of a double, a double whammy negative from that point of view. Um, if the person that you're loaning it or, or renting it to, has a policy themselves, it's, it's very important to make sure that there's some type of contract in place that takes the legal liability away from you and puts the onus on them to cover the piece of equipment as well. So it's not just as simple as, uh, there you go and return it on Friday and if something happens, you take care of it. You have to realize that there is further implications uh, there for you.
0: Big time. No, thank you for mentioning all those things. That's exactly what, um, you need to be aware of. And, and really, if you have any issues with renting equipment or questions on it, talk to your agent on it because it's a simple fix, whether you do it or you don't do it. Um, it. But if you don't talk about it in advance and you just assume it's going to be fine, we all know what we get when we assume, right? Yep. So let, let's talk on a uh, weekly tip that you wrote about pollution liability. Pollution is another type of coverage that's coming into play more often now and that's just learning uh, the, the, the industry learning about pollution liability it's um becoming more selective in what you're purchasing from a risk standpoint um but do you want to dig into what basically li- li- liability covers from the beginning what what is it
1: sure um yeah so pollution uh, liability insurance it it's coverage that protects a business against liability firm Damages or injury caused by pollutants um, they work with or produce. Um, it was something that used to be rolled into the general liability policy back in the 80s, but once these policies or sorry, once these claims started rolling in, they were quite large. Um, there's the cost of remediation, the remediation of especially soil and whatnot can really, really get high. But what what drove it at the time was uh, claims being made in regard to asbestos. So. Nowadays, pollution liability policies are standalone. Um, They're specific, they may or may not include or exclude uh, certain items such as asbestos even uh, to this day. So a lot of uh, tree care companies will have herbicide, pesticide applicator coverage, and we'll often get asked the question, why do I need a separate uh, pollution policy? And the herbicide pesticide coverage is, is it's great when you're doing your plant health care um, and you're spraying if you were to have some overspray or a claim that was to arise you unfortunately kill a tree or something with uh, some overspray from the herbicide pesticide that's where that's gonna kick in um, and and cover a claim same with if you were to do your mix wrong and you you burnt up a lawn or something like that you know that will be covered under those situations however if the tank that you're carrying the herbicide pesticide in was to leak um leak on cider leak onto the grass or onto the soil or into a stream or something like that that's where it's going to be considered a pollution event um and a pollution liability policy is is what you're going to need to cover the remediation and for any loss of income that your client may have which is another big big thing that can can happen um if you're working with the company and they have to close down because they've uh polluted soil or whatnot. there can be a loss of income on their behalf, and that's going to come back on to you as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Big time. Now, I know more and more tree care companies are having fuel tanks on site. That's another separate type of pollution coverage that they need to be aware of. And sometimes contractually, they might not own the tank, but you need to read, again, words matter. You need to read your contract with the the fuel distributor. If you're responsible for a discharge, accidental discharge, or what. But, Nick, you've worked with fuel tank coverages. They're really inexpensive on newer tanks and fairly expensive on older tanks for, I think, the obvious reason.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they'll, um, the insurance company will ask for pictures. They want to see any safety procedures that are, that are in place, how you're going about your fueling, you know, what's protecting the tank from a uh, vehicle rolling into it, different things like that. Uh, they are standalone policies, they're separate to uh, pollution policies. They'll cover your third party liability, loading and unloading. Um, there'll be site pollution and spill and overfill coverage there as well. And also the business interruption again, the same thing if you had to close down because your tank uh, is uh, polluting the area and you're not allowed to be open and you're losing business because of it, uh, you'll have some coverage there for that too.
0: Yeah, and kind of along the lines of what you already talked about with the, you know, our plant health care tank leaking. One of the probably the biggest areas that we don't see covered on policies today would be broadened auto pollution and mm-hmm. an endorsement goes for auto policy. Um, Nick, talk just real brief on that.
1: Yeah. So, um, in the event like your truck was to get in an accident and the contents of, of your tank was to spill out and pollute an area, um, your herbicide pesticide applicator coverage isn't going to respond to that because it was a vehicle in transit um you're what you're going to need in that case is the broadened transportation liability endorsement on your auto policy it's something you can either add to every vehicle um on your on your policy as a blanket or you can individually add it to the the vehicles that are it most pertained to which is what we typically see so if you were to have an event like that and um there was a claim to arise from it. You would need to have that on there.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 very important because the normal operating fluids, your transmission fluid, your brake fluid, your gasoline or diesel, those are all covered if they're cause a pollution event, um from your regular business auto policy. But you bring any other type of chemical or fuel onto your policy, your bar oil, your chainsaw fuel, you bring anything onto your truck, that's what this coverage pertains to. So. It is a, a gap in a lot of insurance policies that we see. Um, easily solved, but it's something that you, you should be aware of. So, great. Any last comments on the pollution side of things? Um,
1: no, if you've if you have any other questions on it, um, you know, reach out to your agent or would be happy to answer any questions on it?
0: Yeah. The last topic that we wanna to touch on today um, and we're running close on time here, we got another four or five minutes, but is talking about the workers' comp policies. Uh, Mick, you know, the most common question we get is talking about workers' comp costs, really, and how can we lower our comp costs. And the, the first place you can start is how the policy is set up. Now, the vast majority of policies are what they call guaranteed cost policies. Guaranteed cost policies, well, why don't you explain what a guaranteed cost policy, how the setup works? It, it's what most people are familiar with. Sure, yeah. The rate is set at the
1: beginning of the policy period. Um, Your payments are made and then the premium is adjusted at the end of the policy um, according to the actual payroll. So at the start of the year, typically you'll use the previous year's payroll to to estimate what you're going to pay throughout the year. Um, You'll make your monthly payments based on that and then at the end of the year
0: um, you'll either make up or or be given back the difference on it. Yeah and the injuries that you have are only affect the policy that one time, right? Because your experience modification is calculated before the policy. So the rates that you pay are based off of those injuries, that that snapshot in time. Um, so that's the most common, the probably 95% of tree care companies have a guaranteed cost policy. Um, depending on the state that you're in though, there are two different options, either a dividend or a deductible that could help reduce your overall cost. And, and dividends are, Mick,
1: yeah, so a, a dividend, it's like any dividend, you know, the company do have the choice to either pay it out or pay it not. It's its more more than likely it's always paid out. It's very rare that it's not, but there's two different types that can be set at the start of the year, either a flat dividend where you could get anything from 10, 15, 20% of your premium back or, or even higher um, based on basically the insurance company is going to take a bet on you having a good year. and at the end of the year, after you've paid everything, after the audit is done, give you back a portion of what you paid in. Um, There is also a sliding dividend where depending on how your losses go, if you have X amount of losses, you'll get paid out. Certain dividend, if you have too many losses, it could go down to zero amount of dividend getting paid out.
0: Yep, so the dividend is negotiated before the policy starts with a guaranteed cost policy. Um, And it's based off of past performance, past injury history. So the other side of it is some states allow you to have a deductible, which pure and simply works like any other deductible, whereas you as the insurance or you as the client pay the first $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 of any injury, and then the insurance company kicks in after that. Now, Dividends and deductibles again are state-specific, so it's something that you should be asking your agent if you can qualify for a dividend or a deductible. I, I will, I will say it's it is rare and it's difficult to get
1: a dividend uh, for tree care companies. It's not it's not the easiest thing. It's considered a risky class um, by most tree care or by most insurance companies. That's why there's pretty limited options out there on who will actually take it on. So. With the companies that will take it on, it is it is difficult to get a dividend. It's something you can certainly ask for. Something that we'll always push for if it's in the state that um, offered them. Um, however, it's not something um, that you can really expect. But it is like it's it's good to be aware of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, going back to the fact of working with someone that knows your industry understands. You know, what safety programs should be in place, what a CTSP means, you know, what, what do these credentials mean, all help in that selling the underwriter, the insurance company, on being able to provide a dividend or change the rating structure on your workers' comp policy in a way that favors you versus the opposite because, you know, the agent might not know how to position yourself to the insurance company and to, you know, boast about your accreditation or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, and for sure I would say if you're if you're in the pool where a lot we find a lot of tree care companies start off in the pool because nobody else will take the workers' comp and end up staying in the pool and floating along in it for a, a long, long time. If you've been in there and you've been been clean, um, you should be able to get yourself out of the pool. And it's going to give you better pay plans and depending on the state you're in, it's going to give you a better rate as well. They're going to be able to offer a better rate than what you're getting from the standard rate out of the pool. So it's just something to, to keep an eye on as well.
0: yeah absolutely so the last policy type that we're going to talk about is, is what we call retrospectively rated program um, and essentially that's we're a larger tree care company you're looking at premiums of over four to five hundred thousand dollars annually um, and or higher depending on your state but really what they do there is they give you a huge discount up front. But then they retrospectively rate it, meaning they look back at your claims. They charge you for the claims with an algorithm, a calculation that they use. Um, so really, the, the swing could be like half your premiums, a guaranteed cost policy, all the way over to $150,000, 150% um, above the guaranteed cost policy. So it's more of a, a bet and man, gambling man's type of uh, workers' comp policy, where if you're really confident in your Safety and your loss control, it could really pay off and benefit you. Um, if, if you have a bad year, you're going to pay more than on a guaranteed cost policy. So there's definitely some advantages to that, and it's something that you should have a conversation with your agent on if you have some sizable premium there. Um, because, you know, once there's a good amount of premium there that you can decide what to do with, it just allows some creativity and they're actually quite exciting to work with Um, from our standpoint. It's just it's not for every company. So have that conversation with your agent. Yeah. So, well, excellent. We did great on time here, Mick. I really appreciate you joining us again. um, uh, We always say it at the end of every session, half hour flies by. Um, This was about the topic that's near and dear to our hearts with insurance. So Next month, in January, we're going to be coming out with our hiring recruiting uh, podcast. We're going to have all our weekly tips around hiring recruiting. You know it, Mick. I know it. The people listening know it. That's a huge issue and topic for tree care companies. So please stay tuned on that. Um, Reach out to Arborist with any insurance type questions, uh, and certainly stay plugged in on the hiring recruiting and and join the conversation if any point you know with questions next month. So. Final words on the insurance industry or upcoming what what we got going on here, Mick.
1: Uh no, just just be prepared for that hard market coming along. And you know, um, if you have any questions, yeah, please feel free to
0: reach out to anybody on the Arborist team about it. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Mick. Um, you have a happy new year and we'll we'll talk yep. to you next year. All
1: right. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Mick.